All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to look at two verses of Proverbs and then get right into the message this morning. This is another one of those messages where part one will be this morning and part two will be tonight. So if you want to get all of the message, you'll have to just come back this evening and get part two. But uh, first of all, uh, Proverbs 17 and then Proverbs 24, if you would. Proverbs 17, Proverbs 24. Let's all stand together. <clears throat> Let's read uh, both verses out loud together in unison. Proverbs 17, look down in verse 17. Proverbs 17, 17. Let's read together. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I was a little weak. Let's try it again. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now go over to chapter 24 and look down at verse 10. Let's say it together. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon this time together in your word and upon... Lord, the message as we take a look at what your word has to say about adversity. The truth of the matter is, Father, every single one of us uh, has adversity in our lives or will have adversity in our lives. And this year, this new year that's facing us, there are all kinds of adversities that will, will be upon us. And uh, Lord, there's a purpose for those adversities. There's a reason why you allow those things to slip through and into our lives. And I pray, God, that you would help us to grasp hold of it this morning. Help us, uh, Lord, to see uh, why adversity comes. And then, Lord, to realize that we need to have the right response. We need to have, have the right heart. And we need to have the right attitude when that adversity does come our way. We ask, God, that you would bless this time together. Please, Lord, speak to our hearts uh, encourage us where we need to be encouraged and Lord where we're weak and you know we're weak and you know we're sinful may you point that out to us so that we can take care of it uh, Lord I'm thankful I got a God who doesn't just uh, beat up on me but Lord you uh, you tenderly and lovingly show me things in my life that need to be changed need to be different need to be improved and uh, then Lord you turn right around and give me the strength to get that thing taken care of. Thank you for being a good God to us. We pray that you would bless this time together in your word. May you have your will and your way in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. The word that shows up in both those verses is the word adversity. What, what is adversity? Well, adversity is, is uh, something that comes in the form of, it comes in the form of trouble or affliction opposition, it can be irritations, big or small, uh, pressure, chastening is adversity, uh, anguish, disappointment, testings, or tribulation. And adversity, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big one, doesn't necessarily have to be a small one, it could be big, small, or something in between. But in, in any case, adversity is something that is greater than our own ability and greater than our own strength to solve it. And, and oftentimes, I, I've noticed, and some of you would say it, it, adversity maybe comes in threes, uh, I find sometimes it comes in fives and sevens and tens, and, you know, right on down the line. But, but the, tr the truth of the matter is, is that the Bible says a brother's born for adversity. And, and uh, uh, there isn't a one of us who this next year isn't going to have some adversity in our lives, there's going to be some trouble, there's going to be some affliction, there's going to be some opposition, uh, there's going to be some irritations that are, that are going to come, come upon us. It is so, so important that when that adversity comes that we respond properly. And, and the right way, there, there's just some real simple things I want you to consider before we really get into the, the, the heart of the message this morning about, uh, about what, what, uh, what's the proper response, what's the proper way to, to uh, respond to adversity. And I'm just going to give you really three simple things. Number one, 
Uh, adversity is not something that's always supposed to be removed. Sometimes God wants us to, to not remove it, but use it to allow uh, us to be able to see our own weaknesses. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9, Paul had the thorn in the flesh given to him. He asked God three times to, to remove it, and God didn't. Now again, it wasn't wrong for him to ask to remove it. We do that too. We get sick or we have a problem or whatever, a difficulty, uh, something that uh, is an obstacle or a roadblock in our lives. And, and, and honestly, the first response is, Lord, please get rid of this thing. But what do you do when he doesn't? Well, if he doesn't, there's a reason why he doesn't. And it's because he wants to reveal something to us. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God's answer to him when that happened was, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my, my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, he did not have the physical strength. He did not have the, the uh, mental uh, aptitude to be able to handle this thorn, but God had that. And he had that covered through his grace. He did not remove it. He allowed the affliction to stay there. And, and, and if you, you look in that passage, uh, Apostle Paul says that I know why he sent that. He sent that because I have a problem with pride. He said I, he sent that because I saw I, God uh, allowed me to see some visions and uh, he didn't want me to get puffed up, so he sent me a, a thorn in the flesh. Well, what's, that, what's Paul doing there? He's saying, look, I know where my weaknesses are. And, he, and he, you don't always know where your weaknesses are until sometimes the, the adversity comes. And when the adversity comes, it, it reveals those, those real weaknesses. Second thing is don't focus on the obvious outward circumstances, but realize that you're dealing with spiritual powers and spiritual issues in a spiritual battle. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Sometimes the adversity comes because of your op, uh, of, uh, opposition to where you stand, what you're living for. Uh, there is a real devil. And he's not just a force, and he's not just a, uh, you know, a, a misty entity. He is a real person who really hates your guts and really wants to destroy you. Now, he cannot destroy your soul if you're saved, and all God's people said. Uh, that's good. He can't touch that, but he can steal your joy. He can steal your security if you let him. Uh, he can he can he can steal your peace. Uh, he he can he can get in there and really mess things up. You need to understand. You know, sometimes we we focus on the person or we focus on the circumstance, and we say, well, if it wasn't for that, oh, hang on, stop. If God didn't want that thing in your life, he could have stopped it. And that's one of the things we need to always remember. There is a purpose for adversity. Adversity has gotten into our life, not just because it snuck in, but God, God allowed it to, 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 to be there. When, when Job lost everything that he had, he did not lose it directly at the hands of God. He lost it at the hands of Satan. Satan was opposing him. And there was, a, there was a verbal war going on up in heaven between God and Satan. And uh, Satan was, was uh, questioning the loyalty of Job. He said, well, of course, of course he loves you. He loves you because you're protecting him. He loves you because you've, you've uh, given him so much. But you take that stuff away and he'll curse you to your face. Well, uh, God said, okay, I'll let you touch him, but you can't take his life. So God allowed Satan to get in there, but again, there was, there was a purpose. And realize that, that beyond the circumstances and beyond the personalities that you're button heads with, that there is a spiritual battle going on. 
And uh, that spiritual battle uh, is dealing with principalities and with powers. And then the, the, the third thing is when it comes to your response is don't try to deal with it in the flesh. But, but by Christ living in and through you and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Uh, Jesus said, without me ye can do what? Nothing. Zero. And when it comes to adversity, you're toast. I mean, you really are. And you need to understand that the, the only way that you can overcome that adversity, whatever it might be in whatever form it takes, is through the power and strength of the Holy Spirit with the wisdom of God. So with those, with those, those basic things, as far as responses in mind, let's, let's go and take a look. And we're gonna, I've, got, I've got 18 of these things to look at. Now, the good news is, the bad news is I've got 18. The good news is we're only going to cover nine this morning. We're going to co- cover the other nine this evening. Uh, but God has purposes for adversity. And there are... I was amazed as I was looking down through this of the myriad of things that God does through adversity. And what that means is then is that really adversity is, is really not my enemy. Adversity is my friend. Because adversity causes me to grow in Christ. Um, you, you think about this, and we've said things like this before. If you never had a need, you'd never have to trust God. If, if uh, you know, if there weren't problems, you wouldn't have answers. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in, in my life, in my wife's life, in my, my family's life, we've, we've watched, in this church's life, we've watched God come through for us over and over and over again. But before we saw Him come through for us, there was a problem. <laughs> before we saw Him come through for us, there was adversity. And... Uh, one of the things that adversity will do is that it will, it will reveal whether or not you have strength. And then whatever strength you have, that adversity will actually cause it to grow. So, so let's look at, at some purposes for adversity. Uh, adversity is used to get our attention. Uh, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 23, talks about the sower and the seed. And one of the things that, that chokes the seed is the cares of this world. And we're in trouble whenever the cares of this world get more attention by us than God does. God's the one that needs to be the focal point, not the cares of this. And believe me, there are plenty of cares in this world. God allows the, the, the adversity to come. God, God allows the problems and the trouble and the difficulties so that it would cause us to cry out to Him for help. Over in uh, Psalm 120 and verse 1, the psalmist said, In my distress I cried unto the Lord, and He heard me. You know, you, you never find a psalmist saying, In my abundance I cried out to God. No, it's in my distress when I've got adversity, when I've got trouble, when I've got problems. He says, I, I cried unto the Lord, and He heard me. Uh, just, just knowing that God is listening to us, just knowing that God will hear our cries is a blessing during, during adversity. But it, it gets our attention. And one of the things God wants us to do is turn not to human solutions, but first and foremost turn to Him. And, and look to him for help. Adversity causes us to, to take note of the, of the promises of God. And uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said this. He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, in order for him to give you rest, you've got to be laboring. You've got to be heavy laden. You've got to be burdened. There's got to be some difficulty in your life. And when that, when that burden comes, God says, listen, uh, I'm, I've made you a promise. And my promise is you come unto me and I will give you rest. Diversity causes us to pay attention and to look to God as our source. Another thing that adversity does is it gives us assurance that God loves us. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. 
Now, sometimes this adversity comes when we're doing right. You know, one of the, one of the, the revelations in my Christian life, I'd been saved for some time and uh, was, in, was just starting out in ministry up in Green Bay. And uh, the, literally, the bottom fell out. The bottom fell out of, uh, of our life. The bottom fell out of the ministry. Just everything just seemed to go up in smoke. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I looked at that thing. I thought, Lord, what in the world uh, am I doing wrong? And by the way, that is a good response. Uh, the, your first response ought to be, okay, God, what have I done to deserve this? Uh, God, what is it you're trying to get my attention on? Uh, God, what, is, what sin is in my life? Now, sometimes there isn't any. Sometimes that's not the reason why God's allowing the adversity. But oftentimes it is. In this particular case, that was not, not the case. Uh, God wanted to start teaching us, and really up to that point, I'll be honest with you, and this is true with a lot of Christians today, um, they're really not in a position where they have to trust God for a whole lot. And God brings adversity into our life to show us that, listen, you need me. And that's what God's telling us through adversity, that we need him. Other times that God brings adversity is because we deserve it, because he's chastening us, but even that's a good thing. Go to Hebrews chapter 12, look in verses 6 and 7. It says, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God Deals with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? And go down to verse 10. 10 says, For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, speaking of human fathers, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the, ple- for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, and it is grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. In other words, when we respond to that, that chastening, then it yields the, per, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. But notice what, what he said earlier. He said, he whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. So chastening is, is, is always motivated by love. And uh, uh, ad- adversity comes into our life sometimes just because there's sin in our life and God wants us to be rid of the sin so that he can bless us and take us and use us. Adversity is loud in our life because God loves us and he wants to conform us into the image of Christ. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, uh, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, be conformed into the image of his dear son. Uh, God has a, a purpose for us going through adversity. And whether it be chastening or even if it's not chastening, either way, it's so that he might conform us into the image of Jesus Christ so that he can mold and make us to be more Christ-like. Satan, during those times, will try to convince you that God left you. He'll try to convince you that that God doesn't love you anymore. In fact, take your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. And in Romans 8, the two verses that we we refer to 28 and 29. And you go down a, a little bit further, and you go down to verse 35. And it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, why would he even insert that into this passage? Because when the all things happen in verse 28, one of the first things that you may do is doubt whether or not God loves you. Doubt whether or not uh, you have been, uh, wonder if you've been separated from the love of God. And in verse 35 it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, is that adversity? You bet it is. Uh, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, 
uh, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, nay, and all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You look at that list of things in verse 35. They're all adversity, every single one of them. And he's telling us here that, listen, even when adversity comes, it, needs, it, it reminds us that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Uh, it, 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 is, it is an assurance that uh, God loves us. And what, what you see, you look back over your shoulder, and you look back in time, uh, and look at the times when you were in distress. Look at the times when severe uh, adversity hit you. I, I look back at those times, and every single time I saw the deliverance of God over and over and over and over again. But again, you can't have those things to look back to if you don't go through it. <laughs> and so God takes you through it, not because He's mean. God takes you through it, not because you just want to see how much pressure that you can withstand. That isn't it at all. He takes you through it so He can be strong on our behalf and we can realize that there is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God. Another, another reason why adversity comes, it's a, it's a call from God to us to examine ourselves. And, and I already alluded to that. Over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about the Lord's Supper, and, and we speak of it often uh, whenever we participate in the Lord's Supper together. Oftentimes we, we go to 1 Corinthians 11, and there were some people in that church that were weak and sickly and some of them were dead. And the reason why was because they weren't examining themselves. In the Bible, there's a principle found in 1 Corinthians 11. If we judge ourselves, we shall not be judged. Well, the reverse is also true. If we do not judge ourselves, we shall be judged. Now, it's not talking about eternal judgment. It's talking about, we're talking about chastening. It's talking about judgment right now, physical judgment. And... Uh, uh, what adversity is is, is, a, is a call to just examine ourselves. And, and uh, God says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He says, the reason why I rebuke you, the reason why I, I, I chasten you, the reason why the adversity comes is because I want you to look at what your problem is. I want you to turn from it. And uh, I want you to repent. But, but God, again, is just reiterating his love. You think about it this way. Uh, in, the, in the physical realm, pain is a protector. Uh, when you get a pain, you know, you say, well, I, I, got, I got pains in my knees. I got pains in my back. I got... Well, honestly, that's a good thing. Because you don't want to have a problem, a physical problem, and have no pain. Because if you have no pain, then you don't know that there's something wrong. Uh, how many of you ever had a bad, I mean a bad toothache? Let me see your hands. You ever had a bad toothache? Okay. Now, I don't know if you have, if you, just a whole bunch of folks, over three quarters of the congregation. Uh, the, the truth of the matter is, it's a good thing you had that toothache. You say, come on, what are you, a sadist? No. If you didn't have the toothache, you wouldn't know that you had problems there. And sometimes it's nerve problems and, and so forth. You have to have a root canal. Other times, other times it's a cavity. And you don't want that thing to just continue and get worse and worse. So pain is there for a reason, and that's to draw attention to the problem. And uh, so that we can, we can take a look at what the problem is, see what's causing it, and take care of it. Self-examination is, is for the purpose of, of helping us to see the problem. And we need to examine ourselves always on the basis of God's Word. Not on the basis of how you feel, not on the basis of what other people think or say, comparing themselves among themselves. They were not wise, the Bible says. 
we need to, we need to examine ourselves according to Scripture. Uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. God, the psalmist says, search me, O God. Now, he's not asking for some, some other person to search him. He's asking for God to search him. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. When we, when we search ourselves and do a self-examination, there's two things we need to do. We, we need to know what the Bible calls sin. There are all kinds of sin lists in the Bible, all kinds of descriptions of sin in the Bible. And there are times when, and I'm sure you've had this happen, if you've been saved for very long, I know I've certainly had this happen, I've been involved in an attitude or an action and did not acknowledge it as sin, didn't really even see it as sin. And then all of a sudden I'm reading my Bible and God just takes that thing and just points his finger right at my heart and says, you see that? You did that in this. And you go, oh, well, you didn't see it until all of a sudden you read it in Scripture. But when you read it in Scripture, God made it very, very plain that it was something that you needed to take care of. And, uh, uh, you know, we, that's one of the reasons why we need to be in the Bible, so that we can know what sin is. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people today who have no clue what is right and what is wrong. And the Bible will tell us what sin is. And then secondly, we, we've got to know biblical laws of cause and effect. Uh, one of the blessings that I get out of the book of Proverbs is the book of Proverbs is basically an if-then book. It says, if you do, do this or you are this, then this is going to happen. And it's a, it's a cause-effect book. Uh, oftentimes, we would not necessarily link the effect to what God says is the cause. But if God says that this effect is caused by this, then you, you can absolutely be assured that that's the case and that we need to pay attention to it. But we need to know the, the, uh, the biblical laws of cause and effect. We need to know the so, so reap principle. And when we see those things in our lives, it's oftentimes adversity that brings those things to light and causes us, and it should cause us, to self-examine ourselves. Another, another purpose of God for adversity. It can be used of God to, to conquer our pride. Um, adversity can come in different forms. Adversity can come in the form of, of uh, contention. The uh, Bible says, only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Uh, there are times when there's been contention with another individual, and I've not been contentious, but they have been. Then there's been other times when I've been contentious, and they have not been. Then there's other times when we're both contentious at the same time. You know what I'm talking about. You go through that too. The Bible says only by pride cometh contention. If there's contention between you and anybody else, there's pride there somewhere because the Bible says so. So we need to look for it. Uh, we need to, to understand that God wants to conquer the pride, and sometimes he conquers it through allowing contention to come into our, our lives to show us that we have that pride. Another thing that, that uh, uh, God brings into our lives is, is uh, the adversity of de destruction. The uh, Bible says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. If there's, if there's some things in our lives that are being destroyed, then it's because, and again, this is a cause-effect thing, it's because there's some pride in our lives. There might be some pride. Another thing God uses is, is shame. Uh, over in Proverbs 11:2, 2, it says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. So if there's pride in our life, yeah, we, could, we, could get, uh, we could get destruction, we could get shame. Uh, shame could come into our lives because of it. And uh, uh, God has a way of taking that shame, and what he wants to do with it is to humble us. If you respond wrongly, what you do is you get mad, you get angry, you, or, or, or you just get depressed. Uh, that isn't, those aren't the responses that God's looking for. 
God wants us to respond properly, and the proper response is to, to be humble. Uh, the grace of God is free, but you can never get a hold of that grace of God without humility. Uh, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. God resisteth the proud. Well, what is that resistance? <laughs> That's adversity, okay? Uh, when God's resisting you, there's adversity in your life. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So when there's, when there's difficulty in our life, sometimes what God's doing is working on, on our pride. Another purpose that God has in adversity coming in into our lives is it reminds us of something. It reminds us we're weak. <laughs> and we really are. And, you know, especially in our youth, especially any time from, I don't know, 15 to 40 in particular, I guess, uh, we really think that we're indestructible. We think, you know, we can, we can kill a bear, we can do this and we can do that. And I look back at my life, and that's when some of the major, major adversity came into my life. And I've had some sense. A boy during that time really had a lot of it. Why is that? Well, because God wants you to see something. You're not all that you think you are. <laughs> and you're not as strong as you think you are. And you're not as impervious to sin as you may think you are. And, and God allows the adversity to come in there to show us that we're weak. The, and, and, the, and the truth is, until we realize our own weakness, the power of Christ will not rest upon us. Over Again, in 2 Corinthians 12, uh, God told, told, told Paul, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, when Paul was weak, and Paul said this, when I am weak, then he is strong. And, and, but we need to realize that weakness, and we need to admit it. Um, so go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at that passage for a minute. 2 Corinthians 12. And look in verses 7 through 10. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Verse 7 says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now notice he said, I have a tendency to be prideful. And so that's why God gave me this thorn, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, and I've got that highlighted in my Bible, most gladly, in other words, you've got to have a good attitude about it, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak... Then am I strong? Notice he, he uses the words glory and he uses the word pleasure. He says, I take pleasure in infirmities. Uh, if, 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 if I'm taking pleasure in my infirmities, then there's some things I'm definitely not doing. I'm not becoming critical. I'm not uh, griping. I'm not complaining. If I take pleasure in my infirmities, uh, I do not engage in self-pity, and I do not go into depression. Those things just do not happen. Why? Well, because I'm glorying in my infirmities. I'm taking pleasure in them. Uh, what, what he's saying here is that be, because he understood God and he understood how his God worked, he knew that those infirmities and that adversity that was brought into his life was brought into his life because God wanted to be strong on his behalf. And, uh, and, and he makes it very, very clear that he has a good attitude about it. One thing you never find in the, in the, in the epistles of Paul, you never find Paul griping about being in jail. In fact, at one time, 
uh, there were several that tried to warn Paul and said, look, Paul, do not go to Rome. You go to Rome. He says, you're going to go to jail. That's all there is to it. He says, I don't care. And he really didn't. Now, did he say that because the jails were like the Hilton? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, not even close. Uh, he, he said that because he knew that the weaker he got, the stronger God would get on his behalf. And he, he, he understood that. He understood that. And therefore, he could have the right kind of attitude. God, you know, it's, a, it's amazing. God uses, and, and you find this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. We're not going to turn there, but God uses, according to that passage, he uses the foolish, the weak, the base, and the despised. Why in the world would God have a desire to use foolish, weak, based, and despised? Because when something good comes of, of things, and he's, use, he's right in the middle of using the, the foolish, the weak, the base, and the despised, then they're not going to get the glory. God's going to get the glory. And that's, that's the whole point, and that's the whole purpose. God, God has a desire to get all the glory. You, you, you look in the, in the Old Testament, and you watch case after case after case, where God took someone who was very insignificant and did some very significant things with them. You look at Ruth. Ruth uh, got married. She went, she, she went to a foreign land. Uh, actually, she, she got married to a man that was, that was from Israel. And, and uh, uh, then her husband died. Her uh, brother-in-law dies. Her father-in-law dies. Naomi says she's going to go back to the land. And Ruth says, okay, I'll go back with you. And uh, she tried to talk her out of it, and she couldn't. Uh, Ruth was a very insignificant person. But you know what Ruth became? Ruth became the wife of Boaz. And Ruth became the great-grandma of King David. All of a sudden, she's not so insignificant anymore. But it's not because of her. It's because of her God. And her God did a wonderful thing through her because she was weak. You see that with Nehemiah. Uh, you know, there's no indication that Nehemiah was a builder. He was the king's cupbearer. He wasn't a builder. And yet God used him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, you, you know, you, you, you look at Joseph, and, and look at what God took Joseph through. He had him put in a pit. Then he was sold into slavery. Then he was falsely accused. Then he spent time in the, in the prison. Then he was disappointed while he was in the prison. Uh, just one negative thing after another. You know one of the things I find very, very interesting? I don't find any indication in Scripture of any kind of negative complaining spirit by Joseph. I just don't find it. Well, I believe it's because he really believed God, and he could see how that God could take all that stuff and could use it for his good. You know, obviously, Romans 8.28 was not written yet, okay? For all, uh, and we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But can I tell you something? Uh, Joseph knew he had a purpose because he, he saw a vision when he was younger. And he knew God was going to use him. And he knew God loved him. And he loved God back. And again, though the, that verse was not written yet, he fulfilled the principles in that verse. And, and, uh, and God took him and eventually lifted him up. But, but he had to go through some weakness first. And God will put us through weaknesses on purpose because he uses weak things. Another, another uh, purpose that God has in adversity, it, it, and we've already kind of touched on this, it motivates us to cry out to God. It motivates us to cry out to God. Go with me to Exodus chapter 2 in your Old Testament. Second book in the Bible, Exodus chapter 2. And in Exodus 2, look down in verses 23 through 25. Exodus 2, 23, it says, And it came to pass in process of time, the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried 
And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Um, the reason why uh, God had his attention brought to Israel is because they cried out to him. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't already know what peril they were in. Of course, he did. But, but he allows those kind of things to come into our lives so that we will cry out to God. God hears those cries, and he responds to those cries. Uh, adversity motivates us, and it motivates us to cry out to God. It motivates us to cry out to God with our voice. It motivates us, to, depending upon the adversity, to cry out to God daily. Uh, it causes us to cry out in a humble way. It causes us to cry out with a pure heart. Uh, God's not going to hear us if there's sin in our lives. Our sins and our iniquities will separate us from, from in the area of prayer. And, and uh, he, he, uh, it'll cause you to cry out to God in praise. Um, I want you to look at something. This, is, this verse is just a real blessing. Psalm 56 Go to Psalm 56 and look at verses 9 and 10. This has been an encouragement to me on numerous occasions. Psalm 56, <clears throat> verses 9 and 10 says, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. Now notice he, he, says, he says, when I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. So obviously he had some pretty serious adversity. He had some, real, some pretty serious problems such that he cried out to God. And when he cried out to God, he says he cried out to God because of this reason. He knew something. He knew that even though bad things were happening, even though he felt like he was up against a brick wall, he said, my God is for me. Can I tell you something? If you're saved here this morning, your God is for you. Boy, that ought to, that ought to cheer your heart. Uh, that ought to, that ought to put a smile on your face. Man, you've got a God who is for you. Well, if he's for you, then what are you going to do? Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Why? You know he'll listen to you. And you know he'll listen to you because he is for you. He's for you. Another, another purpose that God has in adversity, it's the, it's the evidence that we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. Uh, Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 18 talks about, again, that business of we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But when we fail to identify when adversity is, is, is direct attacks from, from the devil, then it'll cause us to be overwhelmed. It'll cause us to throw up our hands. It'll cause us to quit. Understand that there are times when you're going to get hit just because you're doing right. You know, I think we've got this idea that, you know, if every time I do right, just the blessings of God are going to flow and everything's going to go, going to go perfect. Now, sometimes you're going to do right and the bottom's going to fall out. <laughs> sometimes you're going to do right and the devil's going to get so mad at the thing, he's going to throw everything he's got at you. Uh, understand that there is a spiritual battle going on. And... Uh, you, you know that spiritual warfare is on when, when adversity takes the form of confusion, of suspicion, of division, and of defeat. Listen, confusion, suspicion, division, and defeat, those aren't from God. If you're, if you're fighting that kind of stuff, you're not fighting that because God's brought that into your life. Now, He has permitted it to be, but it's not coming from Him. It's coming from, from, from the devil. It's coming from Satan. And a good soldier has to be prepared. A good soldier has to, has, who's in battle and knows he's in battle, needs to know his enemy. You know, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices, speaking of the devil. He needs to prepare himself 
for battle. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. You can't do it in your own strength. You can't, you can't fight adversity in your own strength and in your own power. You need to be prepared for battle. And then last of all, you must know that, that his, his, uh, you need to know what your weapons are and, and be skillful in their use. Bible talks about Bible talks about the sword of the Spirit. I heard someone make a comment. This is years ago. <clears throat> he made this comment. He said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is the Word of God uh, powerful? Yes, it's quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing sun of soul and spirit. And the joints of marvel is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. But if you don't know it, do you have it at your disposal? If you don't read it, can you use it? If you don't memorize it, if you don't meditate on it, and if you don't obey it, is it going to do you any good sitting on the shelf? And of course the answer to that is no. You've got to pick up your Bible. You've got to spend time in your Bible. You've got to meditate on your Bible because this is one of the weapons that God has given to us. God has also given us a weapon of prayer, but the Word of God is a, is a powerful weapon. But the Spirit of God cannot use the Word of God in your life unless you're in it, unless you know it, unless you meditate on it. Then the last, last thing we're going to look at this morning of why God allows adversity in our life. It's used, used of God to purify our faith. You know, I, was, I was talking to one of our men about this here just recently, and uh, one of the biggest struggles I think that we all have, I know this is one of the biggest struggles I have, it's called unbelief. Just not, just not believing God like I should. And adversity is brought into our lives to purify our faith and to strengthen us. Um, Proverbs 11 and verse 6, it says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. God, God will use trouble and God will use adversity in your life to try that faith and to make that faith stronger. Uh, when Christ comes to this earth, what's He looking for? Well, the Bible says He's looking for faith. Faith. He says, will he find faith on the earth? So what's one of the things that is going to be in some of the biggest deficiency in the latter days just before Christ comes? It's going to be faith. And he's not talking to the lost world. He's talking to us. He's talking to us. And we need the adversity that comes in our lives is to strengthen our faith not to destroy it. Uh, the trying of our faith uh, allows us to get stronger. Take your Bibles and turn with me to two places, and, and I'm done. James chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 6. James chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 6. James 1, Hebrews 6. James chapter 1. Verses 2 and 3. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God says that, that uh, uh, as he tries our faith, it, it makes us more patient and it makes us stronger before him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 Hebrews 6.12 says that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. My faith is tried so that I might be more patient, so that I might inherit the promises of God. There isn't a one of us that doesn't have adversity. There isn't a one of us that doesn't have trouble. And you may be right now relatively adversity-free, but there's something I can guarantee you. Adversity will come. What's going to be your response? And do you understand that God wants to take that adversity and use it for good? It is so essential that we have the right response when adversity comes.
Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that uh, you would help us to have real clear vision when it comes to adversity and see why it comes into our lives. I, I'll be honest with you, Father. I, even when I read it this morning, uh, when Paul says, I glory in infirmities, uh, I'm often not there. In fact, most of the time I'm not there. And Lord, uh, it's because uh, I don't have the right attitude about sometimes about those adversities like you want me to have. Lord, I, help, I pray that you'd help us to see that no matter whether it's a, a health problem, a financial trouble, contention with another person, problems in the family, a job trouble, uh, oppression from the government, it doesn't make any difference what it is. If it's adversity, it's there for a reason. And Lord, uh, you want us to respond properly to it regardless of what it is. And we grumble and complain about things like living in the state of New York. The truth of the matter is, it's nothing like, really, like what Paul lived in under the oppression of Rome. And uh, yet, God, you use that oppression, you use that adversity in his life to make him stronger. And that's your desire for us in every area of life. You want us to give you the honor and the glory that you so richly deserve. We pray, God, you'd work on our hearts this morning and help us, like we've already looked at this morning, help us to examine ourselves, first of all, for sin, second of all, to see if we've got the right attitude about adversity and where we don't. Lord, help us to get it taken care of. Lord, there may be someone here this morning that does not know Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, adversity is placed into their lives so that they might cry out to you, so they might see that they need a Savior. And I pray that today would be the day of salvation for anyone who might be here without Christ. But Lord, bottom line is this, Lord, as you speak to our hearts, help us to respond to you and respond properly when adversity comes. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you, give you the honor, give you the glory. Which you so richly deserve in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.